Thanksgiving weekend, 2009, James Craig Kaler enters the home of his wife's grandmother in Burlingame, Kansas. When he walks away, he leaves in his wake four dead bodies, his wife, his two teenage daughters, and an 89-year-old grandmother. But why would a man known as intelligent, hardworking, and father to the perfect family commit such an atrocity? Jealousy, rage, and a lesbian affair which he encouraged, then blamed for the breakdown of his marriage. This is Craig Kaler, Two's a Marriage, Three's a Crowd. Hey y'all, I'm Chris Calvert. And I'm her husband, Rob Potter. Welcome to Hitch to Homicide. For better or worse. Till death do us part. everybody. Yes, welcome. Well, I guess I should say for my Irish ancestry, Fulcha, Fulcha, Fulcha. Someone from Ireland is going to email you. Oh, of course. <laughs> I totally destroyed that. And I've got Irish heritage in there too. So. <laughs> They're really embarrassed for the, my ancestors. The red, the red hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You're yeah. One, the other one percenters with red hair and yeah, blue eyes. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back wherever you're listening. Like, rate, and review. That helps other people to find us. Yep. I'm going to get through all the stuff quickly today. Okay. Go join the In-Laws and Outlaws, our closed Facebook group. We have lots of fun stuff in there. I just want to say today, I was in there this morning, and somebody posted something that said, text a random number. The body won't fit in the wood chipper. <laughs> what do you this. want me to do? <laughs> I saw that. That was brilliant. I loved it. <laughs> And I actually thought about doing it, but I thought, nah, I might get, I might get tagged. So if you want to be a part of a group that posts things like that, <laughs> come on in. Yep. You are welcome to our family. Yep. That's that's the kind of stuff that we do in there. Absolutely. But, but yeah, so lots of fun. Be sure to go join. Well, before we get started, I want to thank some sources: the Daily Mail, the Columbia Missourian. Missourian. Missouri. Missouri. I'm, I'm sorry, people from Missouri. The Columbia Missourian, the Columbia Tribune, the Topeka Capital Journal, the Weatherford Democrat, CaseLaw.com, Murderpedia, and True Crime Daily. Not the big book of. Not the, the big. He's not a serial killer. Oh, okay, okay. He's just a murderer this week, I not always, a serial killer. Every week I wait for the big well, book. Well, only of. if we're doing serial killers, <laughs> okay. honey, do I pull out the big book of serial killers. All right, just checking. Okay, let's do it. James Craig Kaler is born on January 15th, 1963. He's Craig with a K, and huh. Kaler is with a K, too. Because oh, wow. I have a brother, Craig, with yeah, this, a C. Yeah, this is Craig with a K. He's gotcha. born on January 15th, 1963, to parents Wayne and Pat Kaler in Meriden, Kansas. He's got a brother, Chris with a K. Can't fight that one. Yeah. I'm telling you, Chris yeah. with a K, all the Chris with a Ks, those are my people. There you go. Craig grew up with his brother on the family property. Their dad was a cattle rancher, and their dad loved the outdoors, something he passed along to his son, Craig. Okay. Craig's going to pass it on to his son. 
He loved fishing, hunting, and Craig, by all accounts, had a loving environment where he grew up in Kansas. He was a really smart kid. He did well in school. He had lots of friends. And when he graduated, he headed off to Kansas State University. Mm. So, I mean, he seems like a really normal guy. He's super smart, well-liked, lots of friends. Sure. So you got to th- it's not like the usual people where, you know, they were like tortured as a child right. or had alcoholic parents. He this- wasn't killing small animals. No, right. he had a great home life, a great family. Right. Hold that thought. I'm holding. Karen Hetrick is born on July 30th, 1965 in Topeka, Kansas, but she's going to grow up in Wichita. I love the names in Kansas, Topeka, mm-hmm. Wichita. You know, all those Indian names. They just roll right off the tongue. Yeah. Karen is also very bright. She's also very well-loved. She has a brother, Bill, and a sister, Lynn. I also read that they had a family music group. Really? Yes. Huh. And that's going to get important here in just a little bit. As I was doing the research on this, I actually thought, Rob's going to love this. <laughs> But Karen graduates from Wichita High School South in 1983 and heads off to Kansas State University. This is where stars align, right? Gotcha. Karen meets Craig at Kansas State. Craig is a senior and finishing up his engineering degree. These two fall in love. And on December 28th, 1985, these two get married. Now, I don't think Karen finished her degree at that point. She'd only been at Kansas State for two years when these two tie the knot because she's going to talk about going back to school to get a degree in something else a little bit later on. I read that Craig and Karen would live in Colorado and Oklahoma before making their way all the way to Texas. But first, they moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is where their first child is born, Emily. Emily's born on April 8th, 1991. Two years later, they're living in Greenville, Texas, which is where their second child, Lauren, is born on May 10th, 1993. Weatherford, Texas, is where the family calls home, and I believe this is where their third and final child, Sean, is born in 1999. And Weatherford is just west of Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. For anybody who, like, has to have the geography in their head, you I'm that, that way. I need to know where things are, so I always try to leave that in. Yep. That's why I always pull out Google Earth. Well, (laughs) I do. You know, everybody always says as soon as I start talking, they go Google to see what the killer looks like. Well, I do that uh, when I'm editing these shows. I mean, the first thing I do is I I go and I put in the name so I can see the image of who we're talking about. Because as we always say, I don't know anything about these cases before you, you know, before we start these. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Craig with a K looks like a normal guy. Okay. He really does kind of look like a normal guy. It's not until you get to his mug shots, you're like, what the what the <laughs> hell happened? And maybe it happened in prison. What I don't the, know. What the heck in heck? What the heck in heck happened? Yeah. But they are a great family in Weatherford, Texas. Emily, the oldest, loves the outdoors, theater, and music. She was a percussionist in the school music ensembles. She's a drummer. Hmm. She played the drums in an all-girl rock band called Days Off. (laughs) <laughs> with okay. a Z, That's days cool. off. That's cool. She's the typical firstborn. She's a leader. She's smart. And Lauren, the middle child, she liked to play tennis. She loved swimming. She also loved music. And she played the euphonium in the school music ensembles. Mm-hmm. And the euphonium looks like a baby tuba. Yeah. 
So he's looking up what killers look like. I looked up what a euphonium was. <laughs> it's got three valves and is pitched in C or B flat, and it is an octave below the trumpet. How'd yep. I do? You did great. <laughs> I've used a euphonium in a film score. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It looks like a little baby tuba. Yeah. But Lauren also played bass guitar. Hmm. She's also in the all-girl band Days Off with her sister. And the third girl is a friend of the two Kaler sisters, Chaney Coles, who played the guitar. Okay. And Lauren was known for being creative and funny. And the girls were inspired by the movie Josie and the Pussycats to start the band. <laughs> and since Karen had been in a family band growing up, she's like, I'm all for this. Yeah. And the girls will even lay down five tracks for a demo. Nice. That's so, cool. I mean, they're really into this. And I have seen the pictures. They're in high school when they're doing this. Yeah, okay. Cool. Okay. So 2005, 2006, 2007. Right. Somewhere in there. Sean, the youngest, is an outdoorsman like his grandfather and his father. Mm -hmm. He loved hunting, fishing, trapping, etc. Trapping, I mean, that's a little bit different than like hunting and fishing. That's yeah. like, I think of like bear traps, but they are in Kansas. I don't, are there bears in Kansas? Uh, no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It so, sounds like Yukon John, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to go out and get some bears. We're going trapping. Yeah. Yeah. But all three of these kids are just beautiful. The girls are beautiful. The little brother, Sean, is adorable. I've seen some family photos. They're a beautiful family. Right. Like aesthetically pleasing, mm. just really pretty kids. Kind of like the picture you get in your wallet or a picture frame. or Exactly. Yeah. And they're all smart and they're all funny and, you know, they're talented and the girls have this band. I mean, this is really a great family, right? Sure. sure. And the whole lot is thought of as the all-American family. Mm. Craig had a job in Weatherford, Texas, as the town's public utility director. Hmm. So he plans and develops and directs the utilities of the town, like water and sewage lines. And at the time, the town is about 25,000 people, so small enough for everybody to know who you are. Gotcha. I looked it up on the census. That's how big Weatherford, Texas is. Gotcha. Now, by the time Craig and Karen have been married for 20 years— things have started to fall apart just a little bit. Looks great on the outside, on the inside, not so great. All about appearances. Craig had become controlling. He put Karen on an allowance. He hmm. wanted to know everything she bought and why. Hmm. Honey, you would never do this to me, and I just want to <laughs> state publicly when the Amazon man shows up or the Nordstrom.com <laughs> shipment comes in. I just take the boxes up to her office. You take, he brings the boxes. He delivers them to me, doesn't ask questions, walks away. So <laughs> I don't know what this is like, but she is living this life where he puts her on an allowance and wants to know everything, like even at the grocery store, wow. what she buys. Wow. He would dictate to her when and at what time they would have sex. What? And I wrote in the in my notes, this guy has skills at <laughs> foreplay, man. That is some next level foreplay. Oh man. I'm just gonna tell you <laughs> when and where. And and if she didn't do what he wanted every night at 9 p.m., that was the schedule. Wow. Sex every night at 9 p.m. And I mean I read that and I thought, 
where are the kids? Yeah. Who has a house of teens and a nine, 10 year old and can have sex at 9 p.m.? Yeah. I mean, there are drinks of water that need to be had. Right. There are projects that have to be finished. You usually have to talk somebody off a ledge before a big <laughs> test the next day, not to mention have their sports uniform or their leotard or their school uniform washed at the last minute. Can sure. you tell? <laughs> I know this. Yeah, exactly. I've lived this. Every mother out there has lived this. And the point I'm trying to make is that if she didn't have sex with him every night at 9 p.m. or when he was asking for it specifically, Karen would, according to her sister, quote, pay the price for it. Wow. End quote. Wow. So Craig with a K is a control freak. Yeah. Control with a K. <laughs> well, that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, he's a control freak. Still, Karen took care of the house and the kids and continued to cater to Craig's every whim, be it sexual or not. Hmm. She's trying to keep the peace with her husband. And there were lots of arguments, and I don't think they were that quiet about all of this because more than one source said that the girls, the daughters, would break up the fight by removing their mom from the situation. Wow. So mom and dad are going at it, and the teenage girls are stepping in and saying, nope, mom, let's just get out of the way. Yeah. Then in January of 2006, Karen meets Sonny Reese at the Powerhouse Gym, where they are both fitness instructors. Mm. And these two become close friends, and then they become more than just friends. Mm. Now, Karen has never been in a relationship with a woman, but Sonny and Karen enter into a loving sexual relationship. A relationship that Karen never kept secret from her husband, Craig. Mm. Now, later, Karen's divorce attorney is going to say that Craig introduced Sonny to Karen. But I think the more logical progression of events was that Karen and Sonny met and they became close, started an affair, which Karen told Craig about. Gotcha. And he is in favor of his wife experimenting with women. At one point, he bought them both flowers, red and orange roses for Sonny. And I read that and I thought, is that because her name is Sonny? So he got red and orange roses <laughs> and pink for his wife, Karen. He wanted to be a thruple. What? A thruple. I don't know what a thruple is. Not a couple, a ah. thruple. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. He wants to be a thruple. And according to Sonny, quote, Craig wanted to be involved, meaning in the relationship, and he agreed to everything and was very pleased, end quote. Hmm. By the way, did you know that a threesome is the most common sexual fantasy among Americans? Really? This according to the Kinsey Institute. Really? 87% of women and 95% of men with 99% of those men wanting two women. Yeah, I... Honestly, I've never really entertained that idea. Well, then you're in the 1%, honey. Yeah. I honey, just, you got all you can handle. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> when you have the best, why do you want more? Oh, there it is. There it is. By the way, what are you doing tonight? We got to pause the podcast for a little while. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But among those who had acted on it, the research reveals that threesomes are also, quote, the fantasy that was least likely to turn out well, end yeah, quote. Well, yeah, that's the big part of it. Yeah, because all three individuals involved have very different expectations. Yeah. And in a 2017 survey, 10% of the women sampled had had a threesome, 18% of the men. Hmm. And buddy, let me tell you, 
Craig wanted to be in the 18%. He's like, I need to slide right in there. I'll make it 19%. Let me in. I want to be a part of this relationship. Now, Karen's sister has said that she was so beaten down that when someone took an interest in her in a loving and supportive way, that Karen was all in. And the closer Sonny and Karen get, the more Karen reveals to Sonny how abusive Craig is to her. Now, Craig knows what's going on. He wants in on it. He texted Sonny all the time and also told his wife, Karen, that he wanted to have a threesome. And when he's told, "Mm -mm, uh -uh, this is a party of two and not three and you're not invited to the party, Mm -hmm. Craig tells Karen to, quote, get it out of her system, end quote, meaning the affair with Sonny. Wow. And now he's just upset about the affair. <laughs> he's extremely jealous of Sonny and Karen's relationship. And these two are actually falling in love, Karen and Sonny. Wow. And I think Craig had a big enough ego that he believed she would never leave him, much less leave him for a woman. Right. Yeah. And he likes to think it's just sex between these two, but it's really love. And when he realizes he can knock on that door all he wants and nobody's going to answer, he becomes insanely jealous. And in order to make it stop, in June of 2008, Craig takes a new job in Columbia, Missouri. Mm. He's just going to move everybody out of Texas. If I can't stop it, I'll just put miles between them. There you go. It is his daughter Emily's senior year. Like, he's uprooting the whole family to move from Weatherford, where all their friends are, to Missouri, where Sonny is not. Gotcha. The whole family moves. They pack it up. The whole family moves. They buy an even nicer home, and he's making even more money than before. And they had a very comfortable lifestyle to begin with. So something I didn't mention was that he made a really good living. I mean, he was an engineer, made great money. And he's still, like, asking her about her budget. He's putting her on a budget and asking her what she's buying. I mean, this is all about control. It's all about control. Yeah. Craig is hired as the city's new utility director in Missouri. Karen wants to keep the family together for her children, and that's why she's not leaving. Mm. Sonny would come visit in Columbia when Craig was out of town, which infuriated Craig. Sonny and Karen would call, text, and email all the time. And he felt like Sonny and Karen flaunted the relationship in front of his children. Mm. December 2008, Karen and Craig are at a New Year's Eve party back in Weatherford, Texas. Sonny is there, too. And Sonny and Karen are very chummy at the party. And I read where they were drinking wine with two straws very close together. So maybe one glass of wine and two straws I believe there was a kiss. Perhaps it was at midnight. Don't know for sure. But these two are kind of letting people know that they are together. And Craig is livid. (laughs) He is so upset that his wife is embarrassing him Mm -hmm. in this way. I mean, that's a blow to his ego. Sure, it's all about him. These two start fighting at the party, meaning Craig and Karen. Craig is so humiliated, and he lets everybody know that he's angry with his wife. After they leave the party, Craig shoves Karen hard enough for her to fall and hit her head on the street. Mm. He did it because she was misbehaving at the party with Sonny and to get her attention. What is she, a child? I mean— He treats her like one, but that's that's him being controlling. Sure. 
Later, Craig is going to say that he did not shove Karen, that she and Sonny were wasted and Karen fell all on her own. Mm. But there was some type of shoving match between the two. And after the New Year's Eve fiasco, Karen and Craig attend marriage counseling. That's a little too little too late, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But I read where that New Year's Eve party was bad enough that Sonny went to the home of the hosts of the party the next day and apologized. So there's that. After the altercation, Sonny sends Craig a text that read, quote, You can't force, threaten, or humiliate Karen like you did yesterday and expect her to love you for it. She is only staying with you because she believes that right now it is best for the kids. She doesn't love you, Craig, not like you think she does. Ask her and you'll see that I'm right by the look in her eyes, end Mm. quote. Wow. I'm sure this settled with him very well. Yeah. So here's a control freak and Sonny's like, look, dude, you're not in control. You're so not in control. And I'm going to tell you that. When they get back to Columbia, Missouri, Karen moves out of the bedroom. She's no longer sleeping with Craig at 9 p.m. on the dot every (laughs) single night. Don't know if that was still going on, but yeah. yeah. Well, you know it wasn't. Craig calls all of Karen's family members, telling them that Karen is going to leave him for a woman. Mm. And I think he's trying to humiliate her with her family. Yeah, I mean, that's the only card he has left. Yeah, she, he wants to do to her what she did to him. Sure. He wants to. Hum, she wants to humiliate him. He wants to humiliate her. Right. And he wants Karen's family to talk to her, let her know it's not okay yeah. for her to leave him for a woman. It's a real-life war of the roses. Kind of. Yeah. But Karen's family is like... Dude, we want our sister to be happy. If that's not with you, tough luck, Craig with a K. Sorry. Yeah. So Craig's lost all control, and he's a control freak, and nothing is going the way he plans it. So this is where... It all goes south. This is where it all goes south. Yeah. Sonny is going to tell Karen to get a divorce. He's been abusive verbally, and now he's being physically abusive. Hmm. Karen has shown Sonny photos to prove the abuse, and Sonny is telling her, for your safety, get out. Not because of me, but because of the abuse. Don't leave your marriage because of me. Leave your marriage because of the abuse. That's what Sonny has told her. And soon, Karen wants a divorce. And it's at this point that Craig plays the victim. (laughs) She wants to take him to the cleaners. She wants his money. She wants alimony. She wants child support. Well, Craig with a K, that's how divorce works. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. And what did he expect with all the crap that he's been doing the whole time? He is a control freak, so he expected it to all all go his way. And now he's just stamping his little feet and throwing a hissy fit. He's the kid in the middle of Walmart. He is. On March 16th, 2009, Karen files a restraining order against Craig, as well as a third-degree domestic assault. Wow. Which in Missouri is if he or she attempts to cause physical injury or knowingly causes physical pain or illness to a domestic victim. Now, it's later going to come out that the charge stemmed from Craig wanting to, quote, hug Karen, (laughs) and she didn't want him to touch her. Yeah. And apparently, he bruised her arm. I think he's desperate. Yeah. Regardless, Craig is served an arrest warrant 
in the middle of a city council meeting in Colombia、oh. in front of all of his colleagues. Well, that wasn't humiliating at all. I mean, we're at we're throwing gasoline on、wow. the fire. Wow! And because he's a public official, it is widely publicized. Oh, that's on the six o'clock news. I mean, it, well, you know, it's a ta- small town. Yeah, and everybody's talking. Yep. Newspapers, radio, everybody, television,、yeah. everybody. That's a big day. I mean, that sells newspapers. Sure. After this, Karen takes the kids and moves back to Texas and back to Sunny.、Hmm. And I've read that she basically emptied the house of everything, leaving Craig in this big bare house. I've also read an article where Craig's parents said that she left the house a mess. Don't know if that's true or not, but Karen is gone, baby, gone. Yep.、Yeah, yeah. Five months later, Craig loses his job in August. Oh wow! And concerned about Craig's well-being, his parents travel to Columbia, Missouri, and move him back to their ranch near Meriden, Kansas. Why did he lose his job? Do we know? He lost his job because he got served. I mean, oh, because of the yeah. Oh, okay, well, okay, okay, okay. So I ta- let me let me clarify that. All right. He lost his job. Partly because of that, but also apparently he was so obsessed with his wife and his divorce and everything that was going on that he wasn't doing a good job at his job. He was distracted. That was the official statement on why he lost his job. Gotcha. Now whether or not that's the real reason, right? Yeah. But I don't think anybody wants their city utilities guy being served yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, for、man. domestic abuse, nobody、yeah. wants that. Nobody、yeah. wants that. Exactly. But his parents take him back to Kansas. Craig is depressed. He's acting strange. He wants to see his son Sean, but he doesn't want to see his two daughters.、Hmm. And I read that he didn't like that the girls took their mother's side, but he does want to see his son. So his parents try to get him help with a therapist. He is prescribed antidepressants, but I saw where he didn't take the medicine. He's telling his parents that he's suicidal, and he tells his brother Chris, "quote I might have to go out in a blaze of glory." End quote. Say、yeah. it with me, everybody.、Yeah. That's called foreshadowing. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I do think Craig is a bit of a chauvinist pig, right? <laughs> well, it's obvious. I mean, in the fact that he didn't want to see his daughters, I don't care exactly、uh, whose side they were on. Right. If they're your daughters, you're still going to want to see them, and it sounds like he's got.、Uh, A female issue. He he's got issues all over the place,、right. but he want. You're correct. He wants to cultivate a relationship with his son, but not his daughters. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, wrong. A settlement hearing in the divorce is scheduled for early December two thousand nine. Meanwhile, Craig is doing all this shady stuff. He's taking the air out of Karen's tires.、Mm. He's installing spyware on the home computer.、Oh, He wants to watch her. He wants to make her life very inconvenient. He wants to know everything that's going on. Wow. Three months later, it's the holidays, Thanksgiving. And on this Thanksgiving weekend, two thousand nine, the youngest of the Kaler kiddos, Sean, joined his dad at the family ranch in Kansas, while Karen and the girls went to Karen's sister's home in Derby, Texas. Okay. Sean and his dad were going hunting over the holiday weekend, but it was a tradition on Karen's side of the family to spend the weekend after Thanksgiving Thursday at the home of her grandmother, Dorothy White. Who lived in Burlingame, Texas? Okay. 
On Saturday, November 28th, after Thanksgiving, Karen had made arrangements to pick up Sean in Topeka so she could take him with her to her grandmother's house. And that morning, Sean asked his mom if he could stay with his dad so they could continue to fish. Okay. To which Karen said, no. It's time to come to great-grandma's house. It's time for me to pick you up. And while Craig is out running an errand, his mother takes Sean to meet Karen in Topeka. Okay. And Karen brings Sean to her grandmother's house, Dorothy White, in Burlingame. Around 6 p.m., Sean and Karen are standing in the kitchen of her grandmother's home while Emily and Lauren and the grandmother were someplace else in the house. All right. Craig entered Grandma Wright's house through the back door carrying a two twenty three rifle. Oh, gee. In through the back door and into the kitchen, Karen and Sean are at the sink washing some old coins. Craig shoots Karen twice, hmm. but does not shoot Sean. Sean runs out the back door and to the neighbor's house where he hides, and then he tells them what happened so they can call 911. Then Craig moves through the house. He shoots Grandma Dorothy White while she's sitting in her chair in the family room. Then it seems as though Emily tried to hide from her father, but he shot her twice as well. Then he goes upstairs and shoots daughter Lauren twice. Hmm. About the same time, the smoke from the gunfire sets off Grandma Wright's life alert in the house. And there is a recording. So it automatically Uh, starts recording. They think it's a fire. Right. She's an older lady. She's 89 years old. Sure. The life alert automatically starts recording. Right. And you can hear the grandmother screaming while Craig is firing off shots. There's actually a recording of this massacre, and you can hear the grandmother screaming. First on the scene is Osage County Deputy Sheriff Nathan Perling. He gets a call at the office about a suspicious vehicle. It's Craig's, of course. And while he's on the way to check out the suspicious vehicle, he gets a report from the life alert about Dorothy's home. Mm -hmm. And he's like, wait, I mean, this is small town, nothing happens. And suddenly we've got a suspicious vehicle and now we've got a fire. So the first 911 call is that there's smoke in the house because that's what her life alert is saying. But then there are gunshots and the sheriff's deputy is already on his way to the house when he gets a call that there's been gunfire. Mm. When he arrives, he can see Dorothy from the front porch window. She's covered in blood and clinging to life. Now, when he arrives, he doesn't know if the gunman's still in the house. He doesn't know what's going on. But he goes into the house, and then he sees Karen lying on the floor in the dining room, and he went over to check for a pulse. She's been shot twice. Then he finds Emily, who was either hiding or had fallen behind the couch. So she's running from her dad, trying to take cover, and he shoots her. Can't even imagine. At the same time, he can hear somebody crying in the house, and it's 16-year-old Lauren in the upstairs bedroom. There is also a recording of this, and it is heartbreaking because he has his recorder on, right? Mm -hmm. And she is saying, this is Lauren saying, quote, I need air. I don't want to die. Make me alive. Oh, wow. Her father had shot her in the back. Mm. And before Emily passes out, Sheriff Perling asks, who did this? And she says, Craig. And when he asks, who's that? Emily says, my dad. My dad, yep. And she's rushed along with the grandmother to the hospital. Emily dies soon after making it to the hospital. Grandma Wright, who also says that it's Craig who murdered her and her granddaughter and her great-granddaughters, 
She will die three days later due to her injuries. Mm. And what about little Sean, who's run off to the neighbor's house? He, too, will say that it was his dad that he saw shoot his mom before he ran from the house. Wow. But police put out the call. They're looking for 46-year-old Craig Kaler. He spotted the next morning running down a rural road after abandoning his red SUV. He surrenders peacefully and even says, quote, I'm the man you're looking for, end quote. Wow. When he's taken in for questioning, all he will say is, quote, I messed up. I messed up, end mm. quote. He won't talk about the murders, but he does talk about how his wife left him for another woman. He tells police that in the beginning, he was fine with the relationship between Sonny and Karen. Quote, and I said, yeah, I'm just so happy. I, you know, if there's something you want to try, just... Just, I don't want to lose you in the process. Just be careful. I was trying to be nice about it. It became a relationship that took over, end quote. Mm. Which just basically says, when they said, I can't be, we can't be a thruple. Right. He couldn't handle it. Then he couldn't handle it. Right. He tells authorities that his wife wouldn't stop seeing Sonny and that they were meeting in hotels and the children were with them that the two women embarrassed him at a New Year's Eve party. Quote, they were rubbing each other's leg and making a spectacle. It got out of control, end quote. And then he tells police that Karen has had him arrested on domestic violence charges when he was only trying to hug, hug her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what a jerk. He tells authorities that Karen cleaned out their joint bank account of $50,000 and he'd been ordered to pay more than $3,000 a month in child support. And then it just all started to unravel. He'd lost his wife, his children, his money, his job, and his dignity. Mm -hmm. And he tells police that the girls sided with their mother. And he wasn't angry, but he was frustrated with them. <laughs> well, when you're frustrated with yeah. your children... Yeah. You don't, you don't shoot, shoot them. them. <laughs> you may feel like it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, there are plenty of parents who are like, I'm going to kill him. Yeah, exactly. When he gets home, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right, right. Or her. But he was just frustrated with him. Right. So police think he went to Grandma Wright's house with the full intention of murdering his estranged wife and his two daughters. And his plan was always to spare his son, Sean. Right. Because he thought little Sean was his buddy. And I'm sure he was until he murdered his mom and yeah. his sisters. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Sean's alliance is going to be held to his dad yeah. after he shoots his mother. The state of Texas charged Craig Kaler with one count of capital murder or, in the alternative, four counts of premeditated first-degree murder as well as one count of aggravated burglary for the unauthorized entry into Grandma Wright's home. Mm. Craig pleads... Not guilty. Not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> and when this goes to trial, Sonny testified. Deputy Perling testified. And the star witness is little Sean, who was witness to his father shooting his mom and heard more shots before he ran from the home and hid at a neighbor's house. Wow. This little boy is only 12. Jeez. And he is the star witness in his own father's murder trial. Wow. At trial, the defense did not dispute that it was Craig who shot the victims. I mean, how could they? Right. Rather, the defense attempted to establish that severe depression had rendered Craig incapable of forming the intent and premeditation required to establish the crime of capital murder, which is punishable by death. There you go. 
The defense presented testimony from Dr. Steven Peterson, a forensic psychiatrist who testified that Craig was suffering from severe major depression at the time of the crime and that, quote, his capacity to manage his own behavior had been severely degraded so that he couldn't refrain from doing what he did, end quote. <laughs> okay, well, and I think every severely depressed person out there right now is going, yeah, he could have. Yeah, he could have. Sure, he could have. Right. The state countered with the expert testimony of Dr. William Logan, also a forensic psychiatrist, who opined that Craig was capable of forming the requisite intent and premeditation for the murder of his daughters, his wife, and his wife's grandmother. The jury convicted Craig Kaler of capital murder on October 11, 2011. After hearing additional evidence in the penalty phase, the same jury recommended death by lethal injection. Mm. As Craig is leaving the courtroom, he shouts to his parents, quote, take care of Sean so he's not raised by a bunch of freaks, end quote. (laughs) Well, there's some irony. Don't know if he meant Karen's family or not. (laughs) I mean, I've read that after a short stint in foster care, Sean lived with his grandparents, but I also read that he was raised by his mom's sister. Don't know for sure. We just want to wish him well. What a brave young man yeah. who was forced to deal with so much right. as a young child. God bless him. I hope he's gone on to have a wonderful life because he deserves, if anybody deserves every happiness, yep. it's this kid. Do we know anything about him? No. Okay. And I didn't try to find him. Sure. Yeah. Now, this case will be heard before the Kansas Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court. Oh, wow. And here's why. The Kansas law in question, which was changed in 1995, eliminated the insanity defense, and the law that replaced it allows defendants to argue that because of mental illness, they could not have intended to commit the crime. (laughs) At the same time, the law states clearly that mental illness, quote, is not otherwise a defense, end quote. Hmm. So it's kind of, it's very gray. Yeah. I mean, you could flip-flop it and, and argue it on either side. The issue before the Supreme Court is whether the Constitution allows a state to abolish the insanity defense. So there it is. And the core of Craig's team's argument is that the Kansas law doesn't distinguish between defendants who are insane and those who can differentiate right from wrong. The only question asked is whether the defendant intended to commit the crime. Gotcha. And the Kansas Supreme Court, who struck down Craig's appeal in February of 2018, asserted that the legal argument made by the attorneys representing Craig regarded the constitutionality of the Kansas statute that abolished the insanity defense wasn't strong enough to merit reconsideration of the sentence. So his death sentence is upheld in Kansas. All right. Kansas argues that the law does not abolish the insanity defense, but rather, quote, redefines it. Its argument is that mental illness can still be considered by a jury when it's trying to determine whether a defendant truly intended to commit a crime. So this goes all the way to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. And on March 23rd, 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of Kansas, Hmm. six to three. So they're upholding this death sentence. Sure, yeah. And Craig Kaler remains one of nine men on Kansas's death row. Wow. And although Kansas doesn't have a death row per se, these inmates are held in solitary confinement or what's called administrative segregation. Right. Yep. Death row inmates stay in their cells 23 hours a day, except when they have visitors, which is limited to Saturdays, Sundays, and special holidays. 
Inmates have one hour outside the cell each day to shower or to exercise in an outdoor recreation cage. Yeah, it's a cage. Made of wire grates that is 10 feet wide, 20 feet long, and 10 feet high. Right. That is his life. Yeah, and I've watched enough of those prison shows that, that I've seen those cages. And literally, when you watch those guys, they just they pace around like animals. Well, and I, I want everybody to remember... And when you see this picture of this guy, he's thin, he's tall, he's thin, It's he's not a bodybuilder. I mean, maybe he's working out in prison because mm-hmm. they don't have much else to do there. Right. He's an engineer. Yeah. yeah. He is an engineer. And I have tons of engineer friends, and I lovingly call them engineers. Yeah. I mean, he is an intellectual. Right. And he is in a maximum security prison on death row. And once again, a lot of times, and I'm not saying this about engineers per se, but when you have somebody of that intellect, they always think they're the smartest guy in the room. Well, he definitely just didn't understand why everybody else wasn't on his on the same right. page with him. Right. He's like, this is the way it is. Why aren't you thinking like I'm thinking? When you add uh, the intelligence and narcissism together, it's just a bad combination. Yeah, yeah. Gasoline on the fire. Yep, exactly. Kansas has not put anyone to death since 1965. Oh, wow. That's 57 years they haven't put anybody to death. Craig's trying to help him out. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Craig Kaler is still awaiting the date of his execution. Wow. But that is the story of Craig Kaler. Two's a marriage, three's a crowd. There you go. That's all I have to say about that. Hey, Hitch to Homicide listeners. This is Chris Calvert. I love doing research and writing about real crimes, but I also love writing about fictional people who commit horrible atrocities. When you're ready to take a break from true crime for fictional crime, go to chriscalvert.com where you'll find all my books, including some free ones to get you started. Jane Doe is one badass chick who quietly hunts terrorists in the United States. The Sex and Lies books are all FBI and CIA cases with a little romance on the side. And coming summer 2022, book 10 in the series, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll, releases. You can find all of these books everywhere, and if you like to listen instead of read, you can find them all on Audible. So go grab a free book or take a listen. I love all the characters I've written. I've given them pain, ruined their lives, make them suffer, and maybe even throw in a heroic death. Or maybe they live to fight another day. Check it all out at chriscalvert.com. And thanks for being a listener of Hitched to Homicide. Well, Craig with a K, (laughs) it sounds like your goose is cooked with a K. (laughs) 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 And it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't happen to a better guy. No, I agree. All right. So let's lighten it up just a little bit with a little, well, bless your heart. All right, Dateline Spring Hill, Florida. We're we're down in Florida. Yeah, and we're going. We're going to Florida. I need to get my toes in the sand. Yep, I need yep. some ocean breeze in my hair. And I need an umbrella above my head. <laughs> and my ginger husband needs <laughs> 100 SPF yeah. and an umbrella. I told I told Chrissy the other day I'm going to wear a suit and a and a hat and under an umbrella. So Yes. Yeah. In March, a Spring Hill man was arrested after calling 911, 911, this is key, to report that he suspected some meth that he recently purchased was fake. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Thomas Eugene. My meth is fake. What's your What's your emergency? Yeah. My meth isn't real. Hey man, uh, this meth I just bought it, it's my, I, I think it's fake. My meth is. I spent a lot of money on this. <laughs> well, Thomas Eugene Colucci asked the police to test it for authenticity, and then he wanted them to arrest the dealer. <laughs> The mental giant we're dealing with. There he is. That's good. Deputies came to his house and arrested him instead. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. The police said. Yeah. The police said that if anyone had doubts about authenticity of any illegal narcotics you have on hand or obtained from another person, the Hernando County Sheriff's Office is pleased to provide this service. Free of charge. Oh, so if you want to be like him, <laughs> yeah. go ahead and bring your meth in and we'll test it. Or any other drug and we'll test yeah, it for you. Yeah, just give us a call. We'll come out and check it for you. That's not a problem. <laughs> and then we'll get you some silver bracelets. <laughs> exactly. You get a free prize. And a vacation. Oh, my gosh. And a vacation. Well, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you have a bless your heart or you know somebody's heart who needs blessing, Don't do drugs, but don't call the police about your drugs either. (laughs) You can send me an email at chris at hitchthehomicide.com. I don't read them. I just pass them along. Mm -hmm. Or even better, you can go to the website. There's a little pull-down menu. You can fill it out. Send us a bless your heart. You can also suggest a case. Yeah. We love that. I know. That's all we have this week. It's my handsome husband over there. And that's my beautiful bride. Join us next time on Hitch to Homicide. Bye, y'all.